Welcome to the Good Luck Have Fun podcast where we talk about video games, esports, movies, not really. Do we talk about anything other than games, guys? Are we going to ever talk about anything it's other than all games? games? But hey, hey, this is the perfect time. Hey, to bring don't it put up. us in a uh, box, right? Don't put us in a box. Yeah, don't put us in a box. We'll, we're whatever we want to be. Thank you guys for watching and listening. I'm your host, Kyle. I'm here with my boys, Joe and Andy. How hey, are yeah. you gentlemen doing today? How are you? Doing fantastic. I uh, did a little bit of surgery today. Went into surgery, so that was that was awesome. Fire. Had a couple technical difficulties in my computer. Fire. Uh, so got to get my hands dirty a little bit today, but all good. You busted that shit open? I did, bro. I did. Took stuff apart, bro. Unscrewed, rescrewed. It was crazy. Called NZXT up. Not a ad, by the way. Uh, needed a new month. <laughs> Hoping your two-year warranty's still good. Type shit. Call <laughs> like, <laughs> to be honest. It's crazy out here. How you doing today, Andy? I'm good. I'm good. Um, for our video watchers, you'll see that I'm sporting the new Xbox wireless headset. Yeah, well, testing it out today, bro. Dude was wearing a Hunter Thieves hat last week. Wealth. Now he's rocking the new Xbox headsets, bro. Bro's got a bro, good. Like he's living it. Yo, Stimmy came in, okay? Bro, the the Stimmy came in. Thanks, so Uncle Stimmy. Joe. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I spend most of my day today testing this baby out uh, with the Dolby Atmos. You know, rocking, styling. I'm really liking what I'm getting out of this thing. It's a hundred dollars. It's a hell of a deal. Stupid question. You Can you do it? like a side view for me, real quick? Kind of model them all for me. Dude, they look pretty solid. They look... Oh, dude. Ooh, do a I see some lights in the bag. Wait, turn around. Oh, turn around. RGBs, lights bro? in the back? What? Sorry, no. sorry for our oh, no, audio let's listeners. Just sorry for our audio oh, listeners. Oh, you saw this light right here. Oh, on the microphone. Yeah, what is that? Flashlight in case... Yeah. It's a funny controller. All right. So are they pretty, like, sub, like the not the actual quality of the sound? Do they feel pretty solid? Like, the, the weight, the the action material used or are they feeling like a 2009 turtle beaches type shit nah bro the build quality was the first thing that stood out to me like this top part is like metal mm. and this is like matte plastic but you, there's only two buttons on the entire headset you have the power home button okay and then the microphone button that turns it on and off so it's super mm. simple super easy this is game chat this is chat chat Ooh. and the sound is really good how do you six mute? months of dolby Atmos. To mute, you just turn the microphone off so that you uh, hit the button. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's solid. Andy, you talked about a, a feature that I thought was really cool. Um, listening to two things at once, maybe you could shed some light on that. Two things at once? Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's one of the features that I think this headset has that a lot of these budget, I don't know if $100 is considered budget, but budget headsets. It can connect to two devices. So you'll be playing Xbox and you'll have your game audio, but you can also pair it to your phone at the same time so earlier today i was playing call of duty and listening to podcasts all on the same headset oh, that's fucking and killer. the podcast was coming from my phone obviously you can get spotify on the xbox and do it that way but it's just not it's not as easy you well know? you could do discord now you it's almost like your pc gaming bro holy crap look at that yeah they're they're definitely inching towards oh discord coming on i've been I'd saying that, that bro every time that me and joe have to get into xbox chat which is Actually, it's starting to work a lot better than it used to on the PC. It used to be crap, and now it's just, like, kind of okay, good. But I, I don't know why Discord doesn't go on and be, like, a partner with these consoles and be like, hey, we'll do your, like, 
because that has to take a lot of time for the things. Whatever, whatever. Not as fun as what we'll be getting into today, but it's pretty dope. I'm uh, that's like one of the things. So now, Andy, since you got the bread, apparently you got to buy every new product that comes out, and you just got to start reviewing them for yeah, us. You're the product review <laughs> guy on, on the Good Luck Have Fun podcast, Andy. Yeah, bro, that's fucking lit. Damn, they haven't uh, brought out like Xbox headsets in a while. Like, like not not ones that just come with the the console or anything, but like an actual we're branding this this is our product out there like this is a kind of a new endeavor i feel like playstation does that a lot more often than xbox might y'all remember that xbox headset that used to come in a box a little over one ear <laughs> with the, the, the trap a one. string with the little microphone dangling in front of your face bro <laughs> dude oh my people god felt like we were the most badass people ever rocking mm-hmm. that shit bro i felt like i was like, a like seal team six bro i'm like over and out let's go and you just throw that shit back and you be ready. Got my seven kill streak. Calling in Harriers. <laughs> Fuck, man. All right. Well, but, but yeah, man. So this week has been crazy in the world of Xbox. Crazy, well. crazy, crazy. Dude, it's been a crazy month yeah. for them, bro. Yeah. It seems like every day they came out with news on them. But um, this is news that you guys benefited more from than I did. But EA Play, finally, finally making its triumphant entrance onto the PC Game Pass library. Yeah, man. So have you guys done this yet? Have you linked your accounts? So as weird as it sounds, uh, me and Joe actually looked at the the lineup of games in it today that are actually available to us. And it was much larger and qualitative than I expected, to be honest. Um, we've always had the ability to have EA Play and EA Pro um, on our consoles through the origin app. And we've always looked at it more like, Hey man, like we play apex sometimes. Like there's some games that we could, uh, get the subscription for, but we've never like pulled the trigger. But now that it's like there in front of us, um, I, I don't want to speak for my mans, but I know Joe was like telling me he downloaded like three games just today. They, I know one's with star Wars squadrons. Um, I think he was thinking about dragon age, uh, inquisition, like this lineup, man, this is as big as a deal as bringing over Bethesda. Now, I know it's not an acquisition. I know it's just a partnership for now that probably has a life expectancy that we don't know of. But, I mean, there is a lot of games like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Titanfall 2, which is what I'll be playing here eventually here in the coming months, like getting back into that multiplayer. I feel like that's going to revitalize that on the PC for sure. I mean, now you're going to have a couple million people playing that shit. But, uh, yeah, man, it was kind of like a, whoa, that's a lot of good games that just came to PC for free. Joe, yeah, what do it, you think? It, it, I mean, last week we talked about Bethesda. Um, I talked about I was going to download Skyrim, really excited. Uh, for those games, obviously the other Bethesda games were all included. And then they just drop another bombshell. You know, I, to me, they got these things coming out. This is just the beginning, I think. I think, you know, down the line in two years when everybody finally can go on Amazon and click purchase on a PS5 or Xbox Series X, finally when people can get these things, Microsoft will be in such a position that their their Game Pass is going to be unbeatable, honestly. I mean, EA Play, Bethesda, their own games, frankly. Um, it's incredible. I've downloaded probably four or five free games, well, I pay the subscription, okay? Uh, but to me, they're like free games. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. 
this is where gaming should be. You should be able to play a lot of games uh, when you want to. Uh, to me, this is awesome. Great move. Really excited. Uh, looking to see other other companies come along too. It's interesting, right? Like Ubisoft has their Ubisoft Connect. Um, I think that's the only other big major uh, subscription-based in gaming. I know Activision doesn't have any. <laughs> Funny. Um, other publishers, I know Square Enix, not to throw shade, but I don't know if they have an extensive enough library. Like, I know they have a lot of games, but, I mean, it would be a lot of Tomb Raiders. RPGs. Yeah, I mean, it would be really... <laughs> Not to say they couldn't do it, but I don't know if they could do uh, $15 a month. Here's all our stuff. Like I don't know how successful that would be, at least in North America, maybe over in uh, more of the Asia market. Um, KD, you better be playing Jedi Fallen Order, man. Dude, I'm thinking no, about it. Now, it's free. I'm thinking, bro, it's that type of stuff is so crazy, right? Because I'm looking here, and the stipulation, not only I get all of Jedi Fallen Order, right? Like, that's a game that you guys have talked about, and you're like, this is great. But when you're on PC, man, it's a game has to be really good for it to be on Xbox console Game Pass and not on Xbox PC Game Pass for me to boot back up my Xbox. Like, when my PC has the 3070, like, I don't feel like going and playing my Xbox series, or not, not even series, sorry, Xbox One X. Like, it's not really a thing I want to do. Jedi Fallen Order was almost that but I knew that it would be super optimized on my PC. So now that that is available, oh, fuck yeah, I'll be playing that eventually. Um, what's even cool, too, is not just the library itself, but you also get a 10-hour trial of some EA games that are current games. What I mean current is they've released very recently. So, like, FIFA 21, I think, just came out, like, three or four months ago. You get 10 hours of trial period for that game, which... You know, obviously sucks that, you know, after the 10 hours, you're probably going to pay 60 bucks for a game, but you get a 10 hour demo of the actual game. I mean, that's hard too. I mean, that shit, the, this, this, um, service right here is $5 by itself standalone. So think about that. They just gave you a, f basically took down your price by five bucks or at, added an additional value. I should say of $5 to your already $15 a month. That was already worth it. Like it's just. Value. We're going to be talking about Game Pass way too much on this show, I can tell. And we're going to get tired <laughs> of it here in the next couple months. But, bro, it's just where we're in a such a weird time right now for games where, to Joe's point, production's slow for the consoles. There's no real AAA games coming out right now because it's in that weird period of, like, the beginning of the year. We're still coming off the pandemic, still in the pandemic. For... Xbox is still find a way for you to want to either purchase their product of a console or subscribe to a network that or a service that they're providing. It's kind of mind boggling to me without releasing any games. No new games have come out really. And they figured out a way like here, let's just bundle up all these old ones that everyone loves. Here you go. Here's here's for $10, $15 a month. Have fun. Like it's insane. Absolutely insane to me. So, uh, would you would you say the Good Luck Have Fun podcast uh, thinks Game Pass is a good deal? I I can't tell. <laughs> hey, wouldn't it be dope to just be like, yo, sponsored by Game Pass? That'd be dope, right? Eventually, <laughs> Game Pass. Hello, <laughs> Game Pass. At least give us like free fucking memberships or something. No, but uh, it's it it it's getting to a point, man, where 
I want to know the ins and outs of the money dealings, who, how much money's being passed and thrown between these companies, these games, to make Game Pass profitable for Xbox. Like, how much money are they giving EA to bring this over for a couple months, for six months, seven months, a year? I don't know. How long has it been on console? It's been since, like, November, October, right? The release date of the series. Yep. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. And if they're bringing it now to PC Game Pass, they're not just doing that for two months, right? They're going to do that for at least probably six months. Um, so you'd have to assume maybe it's a year contract with them um, and whatnot. Now, do you think that this is any risk to a company like EA kind of attaching themselves with Microsoft for what we assume is just a lump sum of cash up front that Microsoft just writes a check for? I don't think so. And let me tell you why. Um, EA Play, that's what it's called, right? Yeah, EA, EA Play. Play. Yeah. It existed, you know, on its own separate from Game Pass for a long time. Sure. It was $60 a year. And you got all the same stuff, right? I'm thinking that they got the people that were going to buy that. And it came to, you know, they realized this is the max that we're going to have of people that buy this. It's so niche. It's EA People already don't like EA, but they like the games. They like Madden. They like FIFA. Like those games are go-tos every year. So by doing the partnership with Microsoft, they are getting paid for every download. From what I understand, that's the way that the model works. And these games are old. Like they got 360 games on EA Play. So even if somebody sees that and with Game Pass and they download it, EA is getting a cut and they're getting more people on EA Play. Like that base of people is so much larger than probably what was subscribed originally that's how that's how uh ea is making the money right now is they're making it per download that they get from the service i'm pretty sure that's the that's the game pass business model from and we're going to reference an article in a little bit and i'm pretty sure that's how they touch on it you know that's how indie companies make a lot of money on game pass and that's why they find it viable okay all right i don't know how much it is you gotta think if ea play Let's say they do a year contract. So, hey, we'll be on Game Pass for a year. We'll be part of your hype train where you build it up and get everybody on board. What happens when you take it away? What if those games, you know, people are downloading, playing, they love them. They may hop over to EA Play as well, um, well after it gets can... off of Game Pass. So I don't think it's much of a risk um, just based on that alone. That's where I get a little concerned, right, too, because there's one thing for you to take away one singular game, right? And just being like, hey, it's no longer on the on Game Pass. It's kind of like Netflix. Hey, you know, we also give you a percentage off if you want to purchase it while it's on Game Pass. Um, so you really, if you wanted to buy the game, you get the 20% off, which really pays for whatever time you had Game Pass for while playing it, right? However, I get a little worried about, let's say I'm one of the people that indulged in EA game um, stuff, right? And it's taken away from me. It's like, oh, now I got to spend another five bucks a month. Like, I have to add another subscription. Now, I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. But do you think any, like, perception-wise, it could cause a little bit of tension with gamers? That it's like, oh, now this is gone for me, and now I have to get another subscription? Or is it more or less like we're just going to be happy we got it for a little bit, and it's a new service? It's a Hulu that I now have to go get instead of additional with my Netflix. Maybe. And um, the way that I see it is, when, like, for instance, Star Wars Squadron's coming to the service in the past week, 
is the first real example of a game that I wanted that I did not buy, but I played it because of subscription from EA. Yeah. So like all the big hitters that are on EA play, I already bought them. So it's like, it's cool that it's there for other people, but obviously I already spent the money that's $60. That game was already on my hard drive. Finessed you. <laughs> so, yeah, so. I guess I got finessed. But, you know, maybe with the Star Wars Squadron, and they bring these newer games to the service quicker to get people installing and playing them. So that way, if it does go off, maybe they want to buy it. I don't know. It's a really weird gray area, you know. Is, are we going to go into a subscription like, like your Netflix and Hulu's, or are we still going to be like split between ownership and games? And it's cool that we have the freedom to choose, right? So it's, yeah. And I mean, it's unique what Game Pass does when you compare it to other uh, subscription bases, right? Where I, well, I guess they kind of do the similar thing to uh, Connect. So I guess it's more EA does something unique where they have two different pricing mechanisms, right? You have the EA uh, Pro that, you can get all their games when they come out. And I think it's like 15 bucks a month um, or 10 bucks a month. I'm not exactly sure, but it is an increased value. And then you have the play where it's the $5 a month and they're a little bit older games, right? It's so brilliant when you think about it, right? Because again, me and Joe had the conversation earlier about something like Red Dead Redemption 2. How many more titles or how many more copies do you think Red Dead Redemption 2 is really selling right now? It had its peak about two or three years ago, right? And now it's probably bringing in a good amount, but for the standards that someone like Rockstar, it's probably not making a dent right now until a new content piece drops, right? But to monetize their back catalog and still make money on games like Jedi Fallen Order, FIFA 20, you know what I mean? Like like people might get it just say, I want to play an old FIFA game. Like to still monetize that, and just say, here's everything for five bucks a month. That's another game a year. Like, it's kind of a brilliant idea that works out consumer friendly wise and good on the publishers as well, because you're not making any money. You're literally not making any money off FIFA 2019. You don't sell them anymore. And whatever Jedi Fallen Orders you do sell, you're probably making more by just getting five bucks a month from 10 million people. Um, that type of stuff. So it was just a thought that these subscriptions are much more publisher friendly than you would think as well, where we look at them as very consumer friendly, like, Oh, they're trying to get us because of just the demand, but the publishers are winning in this too. Like big time, big time, big time, big time. And you know, who's losing is GameStop and used game sales. Well, GameStop has been losing. We get, you know, like, oh, yeah, to the moon. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's hit the ground. So I guess that kind of takes us when we're talking about more of the publisher, maybe developer side now. We're looking more, let's get away from the indie game or the big guys. Let's talk more about indie games. There was a really good article okay. from Forbes magazine called, and the title is Game Pass Massive Growth is Bringing Developers Some Surprises. And uh, shout out to Dave Thier, a senior contributor at uh, Forbes or Games Division. I've never read any of his articles or if, um, are familiar with him too much, but he wrote a really good article here. Got a lot of good quotes from a couple indie developers and some big-time developers as well. Um, did you boys both get a chance to read this article? I did, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
So, Joe, I know that you and me might have a little bit of differing opinion maybe from this article, um, or you and me have a different opinion in itself, and you might have a little bit of different opinion from this article. So go ahead and give me what your thoughts, your opinions were, and what your first uh, initial takeaways were. Sure, sure. So my first read-through of this article, <clears throat> it hit me. You know, I've, I've seen all these games come to Game Pass. I've been really excited. Um, I think the, from the player standpoint, it's just been getting better and better. Um, what I didn't think about was the developers, publishers, the people who, you know, let Microsoft put these games on Game Pass. How does it affect them uh, to have this popular service? Because on one side, if this becomes so popular, people are only going to play games on Game Pass and they're not going to be buying very many games. So your indie game, your small budget uh, video game may not get the love and downloads it deserves because everybody has thousands and thousands of games they can play. Why would they come to your game? Um, so it almost, you know, the more popular the streaming service gets uh, for Game Pass uh, to be able to go and pick any game you'd like, the harder it's going to be for indie games and developers to get their games out there, get them into players' hands, and convince people to buy them. Um, now, there is an argument, you know, being on Game Pass, you're more available, you'll get more downloads. Um, but, I, I mean, the amount of revenue you get from a download from Game Pass is going to be minuscule compared to a download you get when somebody pays $15, $20 for your indie game. Um, and, of course, there's a mathematical equation somewhere. If you get 10 million more people find your game because you're on Game Pass, maybe you do end up making some more money. But overall, I feel like, with Game Pass getting so big and when my prediction gets so popular, it's going to more force indie developers to go a certain direction that's put them on these platforms um, and they're not going to have uh, as much potential to make money. And And if that's the case, everything's going to go to a Fortnite model where they hope to make all their money from microtransactions and not from the actual sale of the game. So... I know the article talks uh, a little bit about some indie developers and what they had to say. Um, but my first read through, that's what I saw a little bit concerned about smaller developers and, you know, their ability to make money once they are forced to go on game pass. Cause that's where everybody's getting their games. That's my take. What's your thoughts, Andy? Um, you make a lot of good points, Joe. Um, but even in the um, article itself, you know, they interview the indie developers for the game Descenders, I think. Yeah, their name is uh, No More Robots. No More Robots. And actually, Alana Pierce had done a video maybe a year ago, a long time ago. She had re referenced them as well, where she had talked with the studio and they kind of said the same thing. that Because they're making four times more money on the sales of the game than when they weren't on Game Pass. And that could be through word of mouth. And, um, you know, and like they say in the article as well, is that if I have a friend, like say I call you up, and I'm like, yo, let's play this game. It's on Game Pass, but you don't have Game Pass and you hate subscriptions. But, you you know, I can sell you on the game. You're going to buy it for the full price. And there's a world where neither people, neither one of us would be playing that game if I didn't have Game Pass to begin with. So because I have Game Pass, try out a game, you go the word of mouth, and then you can, you know, sell people on it. 
Yeah, I, I think it comes down to how many more players you're going to get because you're on Game Pass. You, you think about, let's say you put your song on Apple Music. You're a SoundCloud rapper. You decide, no, I'm going to go to Apple yeah. Music. I'm going to make some revenue off my music. <laughs> okay. You know, you'd rather the 50 people listening to you buy your song for a dollar off iTunes than stream your song 10 times each on Apple Music. Well, wow. um, so it comes down to there's there's a number. There's somewhere there's a number where if you're going to get more players than this X number with Game Pass, you're going to make more money. And, the, you know, depending on the sh- cut you get from Game Pass is going to really drive that number to where you know whether to go on Game Pass or not. But still, I think it, it forces indie developers one way that almost not going to have the option to choose, in my opinion. And as a library grows, it's going to be harder and harder to be that game that gets picked um, by the player uh, who has Game Pass. So go ahead, Katie. I know you're you're waiting. No, and I, I you know, you you inadvertently kind of went and kind of went to my point here and what they talked about in the article too. Um, when we make the analogy of the Netflix of gaming, or they say this is a streaming service just like Spotify or Apple Music, um, these aren't marketplaces. Netflix. Spotify or Apple Music. These are streaming services. Xbox has melded that point more than any of them have at all, right? They are making their streaming service part of their store where they can easily monetize that whatever's on that streaming platform. If you want to go buy that song you're listening to Apple Music, you have to go to a whole separate app. You have to do a whole separate process and you already have it for free. So it's like, eh, whatever. But with gaming, there's a little bit of difference. You know, there there's additional uh, microtransactions that are associated with the games. Um, there is the word of mouth to Andy's point where someone doesn't want to bring in that um, subscription base, but they want to play with their friend. They'll pay the 10 bucks for the game or the 15, 20 bucks instead of paying $15, $10 a month. Um, but the streaming service is housed in their their store, right? It's not It's not housed in a separate place. So the, it's right there. It's more of a streamlined service for them too. And what's amazing too is that Xbox is making their xCloud part of their subscription-based model. They're not making a separate service that you have to purchase. So their thought process is, is that I have the number actually here right now. 200 million people buy consoles. Obviously, 200 million people don't buy Xboxes. They don't buy PlayStation. It's spread out between the three consoles, right? But there's 3 billion people that play games in this world. So there's that, you know, 2.8 billion people that are somewhere in the middle between PC, phones, whatever, mobiles. If xCloud is trying to bridge that gap and say, hey, our xCloud, you can play all of these games on all these different devices. Well, now you're tripling, quite 10 times what a game that is just going to be on PlayStation, Xbox, Switch. If I throw it on Game Pass, now every mobile device can have it. Every P, uh, PC console can have it. Not console, but, you know, PC can have it. And I think it just, how musicians make their money, no musician besides young Drizzy Drake makes money off music. They make the money off, they build a fan base through giving their music for free, and they monetize that base they get through concerts and merchandise and all that. It's going to be the same process with gaming. I'm not going to make that much money off the stream games, what I will do is, is if I'm among us, I'll sell a hat in game 
for a dollar. And I think to your point, Joe, it might go to the Fortnite model of everything's just microtransactions, but it's proven that gamers invest in the games that they play past the price point of whatever the barrier to entry is. I mean, freaking we have to spend 60 bucks to play Call of Duty and we still got people buying microtransactions out the ass. If I'm paying $15 a month and I feel like I'm getting this game for free, I know me personally, if I feel like I'm getting this game for free and I'm playing it for 40 hours, I'm going to invest into it a couple bucks to make the developers feel good. Even if my $10 doesn't go a long way. Now, I know that was a long-winded answer, but I think that might maybe not hit the answers, but I think that it gives more optimism to these small developers to want to be a part of something like Game Pass, where there is benefits beyond it. You know, we see people buying more. We see people playing more. We see people more interacting with games because of the service. And anytime we get gamers to play more, that's good for every developer out there, every publisher out there, everybody. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying, Katie. You bring up some good points. Um, <clears throat> I guess I have a question to throw onto the table. Is that once Xbox or Microsoft, <clears throat> sorry, Microsoft reaches these billions of gamers, you know, most of them probably mobile Facebook gamers. Yeah. Uh, but once they reach those gamers with the X Cloud and the Game Pass, you know, let's say 10 years down the line, Everybody who likes playing video games can play on any device, has Game Pass, has an unlimited library here. Once it becomes the go-to, the gold standard, do you think someone like Microsoft keeps their cuts the same? Or do they say, hey, you know, we we know you want to be on our platform because everybody in the world's using it. We're only going to give you this X share here. That's just my two cents, because as you get bigger and monopolize the space you have more control and you know it's it's in every company's best interest to increase the revenue overall so i think you know right now game pass is in a spot of growth so i can see them incentivizing developers for trying to get onto their platform giving them a higher cuts and maybe in the future they will um just to get players in developers in but i think once things stabilize and I do think they're going to capture a huge chunk of this market because this is really good for gamers. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Microsoft's a big company. They want to make money. And if they cut from the developer side, um, I think it's going to be tough to be an indie developer here in the next 10 years. It could be. It could be. And, and the thing is, though, too, I think what hurts indie developers more than anything is an oversaturation of the market more than less accessibility to your game. You know, I think if your game's more accessible, no matter how it works, um, you know, I, I, I don't know because it's, it's hard because it seems like as of currently right now in its growth phase of game passes where we're at, seems like any developers are winning. Um, I haven't seen an article of anyone saying that my game sold less when it went to game pass, um, if anything, it stayed at the same and but just grew in player base because we grew some, but like we had this percentage of people that played this game because it was next to Master Chief. But I don't, I mean, like think about it as a an artist, right? And if the algorithms weren't so messed up with Spotify and Apple Music, but let's say I'm a person that does 10,000 listens a month, whatever, and I drop the same day that Drake does. And somehow my album gets right next to Drake's on the what's new. Like, 
that blows my career up tenfold because people are just going to click on it because, because, hey, I'm here for Drake too. Listen to it already. Let me see what else is here. Now, it's not every click because me personally, I'm only going to get Drake and then hear his shit and listen to it for the next four hours. But there's going to be plenty of people that say, clicked on Drake, eh, I'm good. What else is here since I'm here type thing? Same thing with Netflix, you know? And, and once they realize, once to Andy's point, if they're doing it by downloads, and once we realize, hey, you got us a lot of downloads, maybe you have more leverage with Microsoft. Maybe where if you're in that 10,000 to 20,000 downloads, you get this percentage. But now that you're at that 100,000, you get this much percentage with the, I don't know how it's going to work. I get worried about when you start putting algorithms in the hands of the services and they can dictate your popularity, basically. Like if, if Spotify wants you to pop, they'll put you on rap caviar. You know what I mean? Like, and then your career grows crazy. So I don't know. We're not going to have the answers until like 10 years down the road, which is the cool part. Yeah, this went from the uh, PlayStation <laughs> podcast when the PS5 <laughs> <laughs> reveals were out, and now it's the Xbox podcast. We need to go back. Do you want to go back? Let's go back. I Let's think we go should go back. back. Let's, go back. Let's go back. What you got Let's for go me? back to Sony. With everything happening over at Microsoft, Sony had to have some news, something to keep them going along. And they did. They had some pretty surprising news, in my opinion. Not something I was waiting for or looking for, but something... When it came out, I was excited for uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, now, I'm going to talk about the PlayStation VR controllers that were just revealed. Uh-oh. Um, I mean, they look kind of yeah, funky, but a lot of the VR controllers <laughs> do, so you can't, can't get that. Uh, they look, like every they, they look futuristic for sure, and they look really cool. Um, I've played on the Oculus. I've played... You know, with pretty good VR sets before. Uh, everything's felt really good, but these are next level. Um, let me tell you why. So, a couple times on this podcast, we talked about this guy right here the DualSense PS5 controller. Incredible. The adaptive triggers, uh, the haptic feedback with how it vibrates, how the controller responds. Incredible. Uh, different gaming experience for sure. And they're bringing that to the VR controllers. I mean, almost a no-brainer when you're Sony, right? You have these amazing features. Everybody's raving about them. Let's put them in more stuff. <laughs> you know, let, <laughs> let's make this stuff, you know, everywhere. Let's put them in our headsets we sell. Why not? Like, let's just do it. <laughs> yeah, just like... start to <laughs> vibrate. No, but, I mean, it, it almost, to me, as somebody who hasn't bought a VR system yet. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have the PS5. A lot of people are trying to get it. As somebody who has a system and is looking to get a VR system in the future, it just makes the Sony one going to be that much more enticing. Um, not sure what the headset's going to be like if they update that, uh, but I'm assuming they will. But we do know the controllers going to be incredible. Um, oh, I'm excited. I'm going to be picking up a Sony VR set when when it's all updated and through. But. So- <sighs> Someone has to. They hold, did that. Someone has to this wave the Sony flag, familiar. right? This man yeah. Joe will be the one. <laughs> yeah, weird. these controllers look familiar to me. It kind of looks like they stole the design straight from Oculus. Yeah, right. I you mean, think about that. Did you approve on the design? Did you do something new? Shout out to Lupe. They did the adaptive triggers. Um, they did the adaptives. I mean, I guess they did, right? Like, 
So what is it going to be? Is it going to be like, has anyone used the Oculus before? Like those ones? Yeah, I've used the Oculus, yep. Okay, do they do they like rumble? Do they like do they have like vibrations in them or is it very standard what they do? Um, I believe they do, but pretty standard. I've played Beat Saber and I've played the the shooting one. I don't remember being in game and thinking, "Wow, these this vibration is so cool." I I don't remember feeling that way. I was much more entranced by what I was actually seeing and feeling right. with the headset. Right. Um, but that's what this these controllers are going to be for they're going to take the experience solely from visual to to feel as well and to me that's that's a big step in vr we're on the way to ready player one you guys have seen that movie it's cool um what was i going to say um i mean we talked about this with the the new controllers that they have that cool microsoft has game pass that might be one of their competitive advantages but this is definitely a competitive advantage that they can really stamp their flag on, right? Like at this point, yeah. don't try to play the same game as Microsoft. Don't try to play don't try to get your own game pass. Let them body that. You Sony could be the interactive king of this shit that both you and Microsoft need each other at some point. Just like you're gonna need game pass at some point. Now you can bring something to the table. Hey, VR is the future. You guys might have game pass and that might be the future of consumption. But the future of doing things and actually how we play games is going to be through us, too. So we're going to, you know, we're the processor. You're the graphics card. We're going to both need each other to do this shit. And I think that they should triple, quadruple, whatever how many downs you could think of, right? You should do this with any type of thing they're doing. Like, they killed the dual sense. I've never felt anything like it. Granted, never played VR, so that could be a whole other experience in its own. But DualSense with VR, bro? Could you imagine playing um, Half-Life Alexis and when you pick up that pistol, like, the vibration makes it feel like a weight in your hand when you pick up the... Yeah, instead you can, of, like, shake it. Yeah, and like... Kind of like the 3D controller in the Joy-Con, you know? That's what I'm saying, man. Like, it's... This no, is imagine, just... Imagine having a sniper rifle... That that triggers harder to pull. You pull it, and then it vibrates to the point where I mean, you have to pull back. Like it's, it, I, yeah. It almost looks like Sony realizes, okay, Microsoft's got this. All right, they got the consumption down. That's going to be where you're going to get the most games. But here, you're going to have the best experience playing games. I think that's going to be their main focus, and that's the way to stay competitive. You got to offer a completely unique experience. And I the think end, and the right the road day, to go. If consoles are gone in 15 years, right, you are still going to need something to play them. You're going to still need controllers. You're still going to need all the peripherals. You're not getting rid of headsets anytime soon. You're not getting rid of VR anytime soon. So if they could be the one, now what they have to worry about now is Facebook with the Oculus shit. They might have to do something with them. But if they think about that, if if Facebook's got the goggle part, Sony has the everything else part. And it get delivered by Microsoft, dude. That's like a little fucking Triforce right there, bro. Like that, that'd be fucking Holy perfect. Trinity right there. I don't know, man. I, are you guys excited about the future of VR? Like, is that something that when you think about gaming, is that one of the first thing that comes to your head is like VR? Because to me, it's not yet. No, I well, I and again, I've played this this system. I think so, and I think so because. It's totally different. 
I mean, you play a game like Beat Saber. Why is it more fun? Because you're moving. You're getting adrenaline in your body from from moving. It heightens your experience. Uh, you play a game like play this Call of Duty like game where you gotta take out the like it's it's realistic with your hand movements and everything. It puts you more in the zone. And when you're in a game and you turn to the left and somebody jumps at you and you actually fall on your butt because <laughs> you know this stuff feels real. I think. You know, I think that's the future, and and I'm excited for that. That's what I'm looking for. I think computers, consoles right now, they can process a damn good-looking game. Can't get much better. Can make the games bigger. You can put more microtransactions in it. That's about it. How else are you going to do it besides VR to to make it a futuristic game? To me, that's it. Shit, man. I think it's super interesting, but one of my concerns about it is kind of part of the reason that I feel like the connect failed is accessibility, (laughs) you know, to have a VR headset, you need a a space, right? Like obviously this room would be perfect for something like that. For me, this is my office, but a lot of people don't have that kind of extra space to do that kind of stuff. Now, now mind you, the connect required what they say, like a whole room. I know the VR, you basically just need enough room to do a full range of motion. That's just a little, a little thought that, a lot of people don't might not have the space to do it. For me, yeah. it comes down to too, and and I know it's unfair. And the first thing I think about when I'm talking about VR is like uh, interactive um, connection with games. It's the Wii that brings up to me, and the Wii always feels novelty to me. Like I loved playing Wii Sports. It was awesome to do the motion stuff. It was awesome. No, no, I'm being serious, though. No, Joe, listen to me for a second. I know it's nowhere near the same, but I do not enjoy... When I play video games, I like to sit down, relax as much as I can getting one-tapped in Valorant, but I like the feeling of just sitting there, either playing with a controller or just with the mouse and keyboard. I don't have to do a bunch of movements. Now, I'm a, I could become the minority in the future, and I might change my stance once I actually get the hands-on VR, but I don't know if VR is going to overtake everything, with the uh, motions of everything. You know what I mean? Like uh, there are still going to be people that want to just go sit and play Minecraft on the couch and lean back and do Oh nothing. yeah. You know what I mean? So even that- a game like Skyrim, you got the whole world to explore. I know nobody wants to sit there and and run across a Skyrim for no, 30 Skyrim's minutes in VR on PlayStation. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Well, that's the thing now. <laughs> are we now can virtual reality still be like because when I think of virtual reality too, I could just be thinking, "Hey, just the goggles are VR, but everything how you play is still controller." Like I still think that's an immersion that they could really kill. I would have to see it, and again, I'm coming at it from a very ignorant point of view. But if I were to play Halo, and everything I look up is everything, but to still hit the triggers, I just do right trigger, left trigger, move. I mean, I don't know how interactive that is still. But I still think that that could be something that they look into instead of just hitting the niche audience that wants to play VR for every game they play. Yeah. No, I, I don't think VR will even be the biggest way to play ever. I, I think it's going to have its select games. But I do think when you talk about experiences, you know, the the most futuristic games, a game comes out and you're like, wow, I can't believe, you know, this is like this. When, like when Skyrim came out and I opened up the map for the first time, I was like, holy shit, I can walk from here to here. It's insane. Now, every open world game, you open up the map and you're kind of like, damn, this is going to take me a while. 
Uh, but it's not surprising. I think for that wow factor, it's going to be VR. There's going to be a lot of focus on VR for the future. But I, I agree with Kyle. I don't think it's going to be the main way people play. I don't think that's... You can't use that in the competitive scene, I don't think. Um, and for the relaxed scene either. It's kind of that middle ground. There you know? is currently a eSport VR that it's like... A, it's like it brings <laughs> yeah. up like an alternate reality in front of you and it's like blocks and everything and people are like shooting. I don't know the name of it. It has like 10 people that play it, but technically it is a VR. Yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Any other thoughts, real quick, before I transition to our next topics? I think it's awesome. Well, it's Sony. I, I will say though, I will say, think this is awesome, and I'm excited for Sony. And I think Sony could kill this part. I think that this is—they're getting me closer to want to buy a, a VR. And I was a person two years ago that said I'm never touching VR, mostly because I'm just a big bitch when it comes to like VR. I'm gonna want to be in there forever, not in real reality. Eighty thinks of VR like roller coaster simulator. Shut the party. fuck up! No, the fuck I don't. Would be kind of dope though, right? But anyway, yes. Now let's get into another Sony topic. Sony just throwing any type of news out there that they could this week, huh? They were like, they had to do it. We got to do something. Let's go buy an esports company. Um, for those of you who do not know, Sony acquires Evo Fighting Games Championship Series. Um, Evo. For users that do not know, is basically the home for all fighting games. All fighting games, for the most part, kind of compete under the umbrella of Evo. You know, you got Street Fighter, you got um, Kill uh, Killer Instinct, you got all the other shits. You got Smash Brothers that still fight under the Evo uh, umbrella that will continue with this, even though Sony is the one purchasing it. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts because. Not to sound pompous or anything, but this is kind of stuff I work with constantly, and this has been a talking point with some of the people that I've been interacting with in the Smash community a lot um, the past couple days. Um, it's been a big talking point with them, so I kind of have their perspective on it, and they're like in the know. I want to kind of get your guys' ideas of it, where you guys really don't follow any fighting games, right? Any esports, you guys, you get, you know, you, obviously you guys are esports fans, but it's more or less the shooters and the and the that type of shit, Rocket Leagues and all that. So. When I sent you guys this article, what was your guys' initial thoughts on Sony getting the esports in any type of way? Bro, I was like, I thought to myself, and this is just me being stupid. I said, well, shit, Sony can't even release Street Fighter V with a working online. <laughs> but now they're going to fucking try to buy the whole ass tournament for, on, you know, it's not online fighting. They do meet in person and do lands, but that was just a little quip that came to my mind i'm sure they'll be fine um but i also know that those communities are so freaking passionate and even the tiniest changes can really blow up in the face of you know whoever's running the thing yeah so go ahead yeah. joe let me, let me hear your thoughts my man before i uh kind of give what some of the street some of the fighting community has been saying so when I when I got the vibration and checked my phone and I saw Sony acquired Evo, I thought, who? <laughs> you know, who is he? I'm not into the fighting scene. Um so honestly what I what I thought it was gonna be is like an Xbox buying Bethesda competitor, you know, just like a hey, they did this, let's let's jump in and make some news. Turned out that's not the case. It's not that same type of um deal that went down. Um so to me. Like you guys are saying, this is Sony getting into the esports scene. Uh, I think again, this is really good because 
with everything that Microsoft is doing with the delivery of games, you know, I think Sony is realizing that they have to diversify their business model. And that's going to be getting into the peripherals, you know, now the, the VR stuff. It's going to be getting into esports. Um, I think it's a cool move overall. I honestly can't predict, you know, what this can do for Sony. Um, but I'm sure they got some smart guys at the top understanding how that they can grow their business through this. Um, I just don't really see it. Not with not with Evo. I don't understand how the fighting games getting involved in that scene. If they're going to expand that scene to just tournaments, you know, trying to run stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of kind of confusing to me. This this move here. So are you saying that it doesn't make sense because? the um, mission and how the company operates? Or are you saying that the actual business proposition of acquiring the fighting game esports runner, basically the one that runs the majority of them does not make sense? Cause I guess that's two different topics or two different points, I should say. Well, when I say it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense to me. So any, any listeners out there that understand what's going on, feel free to put it in the comments or, send us a message or something but what what I I don't understand you know when you you're buying the people who run tournaments for these fighting games obviously if every fighting game goes through this company um it's obviously very respected held in high regard people respect Evo but that's such a specific market you know this fighting games it's like dipping your toe into the ocean you know what what are you going to learn about what's under there when there's so much more? Does that make sense? If you take a look at, you dip your toe in the ocean and you feel what's around, you're not going to get a sense of what's really out there. Um, if you want to get into the esports scene and that's your goal is to learn about the esports scene, see how you could profit off of it, I think you go bigger than an Evo. This is such a targeted acquisition that. That's what doesn't make sense to me is why fighting games, why Evo, you know, what is the true benefit to Sony from this? And that's the question I poised to you, Kyle. So I guess it's I, it's really bad uh, communication skills, but I guess I'll answer your question first with a question. What would be the alternative? Because you're saying why Evo? And if they're going to get into esports, they should do it with a different company. Uh, what other esports currently available company currently available tournament provider current uh tournament coordinator is first available for them to purchase and one that you would say they should target i mean there 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 really isn't much i mean when we're looking at rlcs epic games runs that at this point uh when you're talking about lcs with league of legends riot runs that they're not going to sell their own product uh, Valorant, I guess, is up for grabs, but Riot's kind of holding that down too. They don't have an official um, Valorant tournament organizer. They don't. They don't attach it to their own brand yet, like they do with the LCS. Um, you know, you got Call of Duty with the Call of CDL. You got Overwatch League with the Overwatch League. I mean, if they wanted to get themselves immediately smack dab in the middle in the esports and getting their name out there and attaching themselves to it without putting out a game specifically for esports and making their own league around it, which we've seen isn't the instant way to success. Maybe acquiring someone that knows how to run 
events. And we can say, yes, fighting games are very niche. But if you take all fighting games, it's a pretty big percentage of the market. I mean, yeah, it might not be 30%, but if you can get 10% of the whole esports market, I mean, that's pretty freaking huge. Like, that's not a small little undertailing. And this could be, to your point, put your toe in the water, but this could be their first adventure into it. Like, let's see actually how it operates. Let's take something that we know isn't being optimized in fighting games. You know, none of these games that we're talking about are in the top five, top top six, top seven of esports. The only one that would be close is maybe Street Fighter, but that's only the big time events, and they still don't even draw in the numbers that Rocket League, League of Legends, Fall, you know, CSGO, any of them bring in. So if you're asking a company like Sony to say, hey, get into it the quickest way, and the most effective way, I think you might take a smaller undertailing like Evo. Because let's be honest, if it fucks up, wasn't as big of an investment as, say, acquiring the rights to another big esport. And it can grow crazy. It could expand more than just fighting games. Now, I don't think they should. I think they should keep Evo the brand. Like, there's not many companies out there in the esports franchise that have a genre locked down. Like the MOBAs, you got Dota, you got League of Legends, like it's split up. You got CSGO, you got Valorant with the competitive, you got Halo, (laughs) but you know, you got Call of Duty, that type of shit, Overwatch with the shooters. Like Evo owns fighting games. So I think, I think Sony realizes like, hey, it's going to be a big thing. Now, I like that they're keeping the Cannon Brothers on to be advisors slash still run it. That's huge for me. I don't know what their roles are going to be. I know they said they're going to be advisors. I don't know how big of a role. They said it's to ensure that the competitive nature and it's running in the same spirit as Evo was. Um, you know, because I think once publishers and all them become the runners of these franchises, unless you are a competitive publisher, <clears throat> not Activision, your shit doesn't run properly. Like, it doesn't do what it needs to do. I know. I, I'm i getting really bad these past two episodes of just going on rants, and I need to stop doing that. I apologize. I go for, like, three minutes. You guys are so patient. That was more like five, but I apologize. Where you go, you know, I just... Yeah, I know. You don't listen. I know. I just, I just hit mute. I know. But... I know. <laughs> go ahead, Andy. I'm what are just... your thoughts? Or both of you, what are your thoughts? I want to listen. I'm going I'm to sit back and... I ranted, you ranted. Andy, three minutes. <laughs> I can't do three minutes on this, bro. I just don't care enough. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's someone who doesn't give a shit about Sony and someone who doesn't give a shit about Evo. Like, I hope they work it out. I hope everybody just is happy. That's all I can say. My man doesn't give a shit about <laughs> Sony. I hope everybody's funny. happy. All right, I'm going to edit that out. Yeah. I'm going to edit that part out. And Andy said he hopes Evo's the most successful esports company coming in the next. You know, good, good, good talk, Andy. Good stuff. You guys don't give a fuck. We're good. Enough said. We're good. Any? Do you think it means anything big besides Evo? Nothing. We're all good. I know the name. I think that headline was what they bought. Gotcha. Yep. In the gotcha. short term, obviously there's a long term. Gotcha. Strategy and gotcha. Blah, blah 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 blah. I I work with a bunch of small-minded men. All and right. Boys. This is it. Ready? Xbox had <laughs> one, two, three, four, five articles. So he said, "Shit." <laughs> You know, here's, here's here's the VR controller. We're not giving you shit else. Shit, we need at least one more. Let's let's take two hundred thousand dollars and buy Evo. <laughs> fucking article. You guys are assholes. <laughs> two hundred 
dollars. Evo worth more than that. No disrespect to Evo. <laughs> no, you guys have just been shitting on Evo. Don't don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yo, shout out. Really love what you're doing over there, but y'all are trash. No, I'm keeping this in there. I didn't say that. Y'all are no, y'all are. Yo, that's all Andy, bro. You all should have heard it. I respect that, Andy. No, I respect that. That's like that's like talking to people that like watch the Big Bang Theory. You okay, know? well maybe yeah, something you guys will it. care about here since you guys don't give a shit about Evo. Um, Kevin Durant is getting into the esports space. Um, Kevin Durant invested in Sony. What? Hmm? What did you say? I said Kevin Durant is now officially more part of esports than Sony. Um, yeah, sure. If you guys keep want to shit on Evo, that's dope. I'll let y'all keep getting that shit off. Um, yeah, Kevin Durant invested in a company called Anbox. Um, they are the owners of the New York. Subliners for the Call of Duty League and the New York Excelsior for the Overwatch League. Um, they also have a Valorant team. Um, it has not been participating in any of the big Valorant uh, competitions going on right now where you get you see teams like FaZe and all them participating. Um, however, it is having a team and they are actually on the trying to make it into that scene. Um, Kevin Durant basically cited that he loves the New York-based uh, fan base and that he wanted to get into esports for a long time. He was a big fan of 2K, and he wanted to kind of uh, broaden the his horizons. It's an investment, you know. He's a businessman. He's trying to get into it. Um, as a as an esports question, uh, you know, the the industry as a whole. What are your guys' thoughts of these big names? You know, we're, we see plenty of them now. It's it's not a it's not just hey, I used to be a pro and now I'm gonna own my own thing like. Big, big billionaires, athletes, entertainers, like they're getting into this industry. What are your guys' initial thoughts on something like that where this is this this statement right here, Kevin Durant invests in the esports, isn't weird anymore? Like originally it was weird. It's like Drake just invested in the Hundred Thieves. Uh uh who owns the Echo Fox? Like a ex athlete owns Echo Fox. Like what's going on? Like, you know what I mean? So what are your guys' thoughts? With the um, Drake and the Hundred Thieves is kind of the the thing that I think of when I think of what normalized it, right? Drake's out here normalizing things in the games industry. He's streaming with Ninja. He's investing into esports organizations. So I'd say a Hundred Thieves is more than that, dude. Why have we mentioned but... Drake seven times in a fucking game? <laughs> all are stands. Fuck bro. out of here, Joe. <laughs> Fuck out of here. The biggest stand I know. Played nothing but Drake songs for five years. Yo, Spotify. Yo, Apple Music got him just for Drake for fifteen dollars a month. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just that. Um, I think that legitimized it. You know, and a lot of athletes do like to invest their money because they have so much of it. You know, yeah, you gotta do something. And they want to invest in entertainment properties. And esports is, I'd say, the number one up and coming entertainment property right now. It has a high risk. You know, but like I said, they have so much money, they don't even care if they lose it necessarily. So I think it's a smart move, maybe. And he's I investing mean, into kind of a known life. product, right? Like Anbox is in yeah, two those, of those the three teams that you mentioned are big. Yeah. It's not like something you've never heard of. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with it. You now, know, that makes it more safe. Now, I will say his role in the company, so he must have invested a good amount. Because they're going to leverage him as like a big marketing tool. He's going to be part of a lot of the merch. He's going to be like, it's not just 
no offense. Like, it's not just gonna be a Drake scenario where, hey, I own a percentage of this and I'm and you know I attach myself for a little bit and I'm just going to be a part of it. Apparently, the thought is is that he's gonna be like a face of the brand and the face of the company as well. Um, which I guess is easy to say now, but you know, when that work has to come in, who knows what it is. But if you're Ambox, you would definitely welcome that. But go ahead, Joe. I just want to get that out there before just so we knew what the uh the expectations were for KD. No, I think Andy nailed it. I think he hit it right on the head. It's really cool to see, you know, because a, a lot of the older generations who didn't grow up with video games in their pocket, let alone bought consoles to play these things, if if they have kids or grandkids, you know, what are they probably doing right now? And that's gaming, you know. So I think when somebody from like a sports that everybody's familiar with is, you know, considered really popular. Probably the crosses over with gaming i think it it's just good overall because i think it just connects um the two scenes together just makes you know gaming that much more pop culture instead of a niche nerdy you know side stream of what people like to do um overall i think it's a smart move by kd the real kd um you know, you invest in something and then you put your face on the oh, cover. Wow, that statement is- You're Kevin Durant. It's going to improve in popularity and start making more money. You know, there's more money going your way. So I think it's a great thing overall. And I, I hope that as gaming gets bigger, as everything gets bigger, we're going to see a lot of big names. And then it's eventually going to be gamers and the, the top people in that space going to be equal to the point where the next big thing comes out. You're going to say, Holy shit, Nade Shot just invested in this. That's so cool. You know, that's such a niche little thing. It's going to be cool that, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you. They're already starting that with the Backbone mobile controller. Yeah. That seems to be something that these these esports people, influencers in the gaming industry have really seemed to put a lot of money into. Sorry, I keep going. No, that's it. I. It's just cool overall. It's just going to help the gaming scene. Kevin Durant. You know, one of the best players in this generation. Uh, investing into esports, pretty cool. Hey, yeah, I mean, you know, it's such a weird thing. You know, I, I, I get concerned when I see, you know, we don't know the numbers for this, but I get really concerned when there's big evaluations for these companies so quickly. I mean, I, I my one concern about esports is that it's, a, it's eventually a bubble that – we think it has this big evaluation currently and it's and the growth isn't organic it's kind of stimulated and i hope that the growth isn't popped because there's too many people trying to get into it trying to make too much money too quickly um for people that don't care about gaming that's my biggest fear is that a bunch of guys that are just like hey yeah i can get kids love gaming let me put a hundred million dollars into a team and then that league fails and now it's like a stain on, you know, but that's a separate point, but I guess it kind of makes sense here. I really enjoy that. Kevin, I want to say this the most correct way possible. He didn't overstep his move into esports. He didn't try to go say, I'm going to go own my own team and I'm going to run it and I'm going to be the, the figurehead of it. Like he said, okay, let me find someone that is really good at running. Like they have been able to form a, relationship with the biggest publisher in the world and get two slots into two of the big biggest four or five esports leagues in the world i mean overwatch league and call of duty league those were big time investments to get in 
and obviously Kevin Durant isn't the first big investor in Anbox. There's other big, but you know, he found one and said, you know what? Instead of me trying to bring my own 2K team to the NBA, let me join up with somebody. Let me influence them. What I'm good at is bringing influence and eyes. They're good at running the sport. I get really wary when I start seeing, oh, let me start, let me own an esports league and a team and let me try to get them in. And it's like, you don't, you don't come from that world. I wouldn't go and try to own a movie studio if I don't know movies. You know what I mean? Or if I did, I would have someone running it that knew how to run movies or direct movies and all that shit. So the fact that he's doing it in this manner, I really respect and I really am excited for. Because to your point, the more guys like Kevin Durant that do that shit, the more way that guys like Nate Shaw can go do what they do. Because now they're they're you know they're getting equals. They're they're hey Kevin, you own just as much percent as Ambox as I own Hundred Thieves. Awesome. Granted, Hundred Thieves is my only source of income. You will make forty million dollars playing basketball every year, but it's the same con. You know, what I mean, it's just going to continue to be. I'm excited about that because the more money that comes in, the bigger it is. I just hope that there isn't uh, looking for a return of profit so quickly that it hurts the industry as a whole. Kevin seems like a dude that realizes that this is a 20-year play, not a five-year play to see his money back, which is dope, which is really dope. And um, there's not many out there that do it just because they are passionate about it and it's going to make money, obviously. They wouldn't just throw millions of dollars into something that's not going to make him money. But it's interesting, you know? It's... uh. I don't think does gaming need validity anymore from the mainstream, or is that done? I mean, like Andy kind of brought it up, but does it do it anymore? Like, because Kevin Durant is in it, do you think more people are now thinking that gaming's a thing? Well, here's here's a counter question. Um, I didn't know about KD doing this until we brought it up, talking about podcast topics. Mm-hmm. So I just don't follow it on that level. When Drake hopped on Fortnite. Every fucking person in the world knew about that oh, yeah. if they were on Twitter, right? Well, so the, I think it's been done. I think it's been right. done. You and know? It's also levels to it, too. Like, Kevin Durant is super popular. But when you get a person like Drake, I mean, that's you're talking about like one of the 10 most famous people in the world. You know what I mean? Like, Kevin Durant's big, but he's not. Now, if LeBron. If LeBron invested into something, like the second LeBron takes a step into esports, yeah. everyone's going to know about it. Every it's mm-hmm. going to be on CNBC. It's going to be on, you know, it's going to be insane. And I'm not com- commenting them on how they are as players and where they are currently, just where they hold in society. LeBron carries that weight. Drake carries that weight. And to your point, because Drake already did it, he's the trailblazer. Maybe it's not a big deal anymore. Mark Cuban invests in a team. Who cares? Drake already did it. Like it's not a it's not a weird thing anymore. And Drake also found the one brand that he probably knew once he saw it and the branding of it, he's like, oh, that's gonna be the one. Like that's 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 the it. Let me put in a couple million, let me own eight percent of it, and let me go see it be worth eighty, ninety, a hundred million in twenty years. Yeah. I don't know. I I I know what you said about people carrying different weights, Katie. I agree with. I think Drake, you know, even a LeBron James carries a lot of weight. Everybody knows who he is. He's a household name. But with Drake being more of a pop culture 
you you kind of like him as a person to be into his music almost. Like LeBron James, you could totally disagree with the guy, still respect his basketball skills, but when you get to Drake, if you don't like him, you generally don't like his music. Anyway, I think it's a little bit different because what Drake knocked down a barrier was, hey, I'm this massive guy who, you know, everybody knows me as this really cool guy based on my music. I say, oh, I get these girls, I party all the time, I'm rich, I'm famous, yada, yada, yada. You're known as that rich and famous, almost above society type of persona. I don't know if Kevin Durant or LeBron could do that. And then I also think it should be noted that this guy endorsed Fortnite, the most childish looking game of all time. I mean, if you walk by somebody's screen and you've never seen Fortnite, and this is a 30-year-old playing this game, you're like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? I mean, seriously. But uh, in the same token, and that's what I think, that's why that created so many shockwaves is, okay, here's this above society figure. Here's this really game where if you don't know what it is, it looks pretty like if you're not a child, you should not be playing. Let's say that this is okay and any type of game is okay to play and be cool with. I think that had a much bigger impact um, than what Kevin Durant's doing. Not to minimize what he's doing, because I think it's great for the space. But... We're just saying as a bringing gaming to the mainstream. We're not talking yeah. about actually within the esports industry. We're just saying to the everyday mm-hmm. person, Drake was, you know, Ninja got on CNBC because of him. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, it was levels. Like, it, it was instant. Like, it was just... It broke the internet. It was we don't even remember that Travis Scott was on there, and Travis Scott's a top ten musical act currently. You know what I mean? Like it's just there's difference. It's different. There's levels. Any rever- any reservations in your guys' head when you see shit like this? I know you guys aren't. I don't want to say you guys aren't because you guys are esports fans. You guys, but like from someone that might be the more casual of it, any reservations when you see something like this? Or is that not even a thought in your guys' head? Not being, I'm not asking. I'm not like trying to elicit a certain answer. I'm generally yeah. curious on what something like that hits your guys' radar. No, yeah, to me, it's good. Good media for gaming. And honestly, you have somebody who's in a competitive space, who's going into a new space and can help mold stuff based on you know what they see. If they have ownership, they can make decisions. To me, it's overall just good. The only reservation that I have is. You know, as as more and more people invest, headlines come out. I don't want it to be more of a, oh, I'm Myers Leonard. I need to invest in Phase to get some press so that I can sell my next shoe. Like I don't need people. Not you know, a stepping I, I don't stone, want not, it to become a trend to invest rich quick type thing. Yeah, I want it to be exactly. I want it to be, you know, genuine. When you invest in a company, you believe in it. Um, I want people to invest in esports companies who will truly be there, help it grow and flourish. Like Kevin Durant putting his face on the brand eventually, you know, trying to be an actual figure. I think that's dope, and I think that's what the industry needs. Now, if I see 30 articles come out about investing, that I might get concerned about. And it's it's interesting that you mention his name. Uh, I don't want to talk about the topic itself, but what was awesome is is that Granted, he's not a huge figure, but that was a talking point for about a couple of days, right? What he did and what he said. It didn't stain phase, right? Like, to the outside world, they didn't look at the company he was associated with and said, 
that's a gaming company. He did that gaming. That company's nasty. Now, I don't know if that's because FaZe doesn't have as much pull or Myers Leonard doesn't have enough pull in society, but I'm really glad that at least the industry is strong enough itself that it could withstand something like that. And it's not like a black eye. You know what I mean? Because let's be honest, the NBA doesn't give a shit. Cut them by gone. We're not even going to think about them where esports, it could have been like, Whoa, that was a major investor of yours. And you're doing that. Mm, I'm okay. In this esports little thing you guys got going on there. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I just worry about is when you're you're letting everybody in and and that you should let everybody in. Anyone that wants to be a part of it and they want to contribute positively, of course. But if you let everybody in, man, that just says they want to be in, it's like you're going to get people that are trying to exploit and trying to do all that. And Joe, are you living in fucking Antarctica or something, bro? Like, do you not have lights in your crib? Yeah. So we must be going for a long time here because it was bright when we started we're this at, podcast. We're at like an hour it's 10 right now. Yeah, yeah. So unless you guys have any other ideas, let's wrap up with our last topic here. Any more thoughts on KD? Um, I might want to push the next topic because I got to go at eight. I'm trying to watch this game. And I don't, I don't want to rush this topic either because I think it'll be a good one. Okay, mm-hmm. so, we, so can, you, we can push, can it, to we next push week. it to first thing next week. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I would like these type of topics that we do here that don't have to do with news. I would like to make them recurring, whether they are doing that topic over again or keeping that this time slot for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's plan it to have it for like, the end of next episode again. We have a good luck section where we talk about news and everything that's happening. Like good luck to these companies, what's happening. Then we have have fun and we talk about our own bullshit. You know what? Hey. We'll we'll go back to the drawing board on that one. Um, we'll figure we'll figure out something on that. I like where you're thinking though, my brother. <laughs> and with that, thank you for listening to some of the behind the scenes, bro. We just do pre pod, post pod, everything right here on the show. I'm not gonna any of it out. You're gonna see my dad walk in all the time. You're gonna see Joe get yelled at by Michaela. It's awesome. But. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Good Luck Have Fun Podcast. Make sure to check us in next Tuesday for our next episode. Um, Thank you, Sony, for making some shit happen. We asked for it, and you made a little bit of shit happen. We need someone else to get it shaken a little bit. Would be cool. Um, Make sure to follow my guys on social media. You got Andrew. You got Joe, who doesn't use social media, but he's going to start because we need him to grow his brand. And you got me right there. Uh, make sure you check out our YouTube. If you are only an audio listener, we got the videos up there and we got clips going up on the YouTube. And if you are a video listener only, take us with you in the car. We got on Spotify, Google podcast and Apple podcast as well. Um, any lasting remarks, boys, you guys want to make anything you guys want to plug anything like that? Um, I made a TikTok for the podcast if you want to give it a I follow. Forgot we have a TikTok. We got to add yeah, that to the Yeah, we got a TikTok now. Baby. The graphics team has to we fix that. We are, we are fucking talkers, bro. Potter talkers. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Thank you guys for listening and have a good week.